Go ahead and let me know what's going on. Oh, it's going already. Good. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Vineyard Community Church. We're very glad you're with us today. As we continue on in a series we're doing called, Do You Want to Get Well? And we've been in this series a long time, so I'm really trying to shorten the introduction. But in case it's the first time you're hearing it, it's really based on an encounter that Jesus has with a man who's sick, been sick for a very long time. This encounter happens at a place known for healing, which is the Pool of Bethesda, and yet this guy's been there, looks like for 30 plus years, and never had any significant change in his life. And Jesus sort of presents the gospel, the kingdom, or he presents the kingdom to him in the, in the question, do you want to get well? And I've said that, that the response to that question is huge in our lives, and that's why we're spending so much time talking about it and looking at it. It is, it is one of the best questions um, that, that you can ask about situations in your life. And, and the answer, you know, is, is significant. Do you really want to get well? And so often we get stuck in the familiar, and e- even though the familiar is not good and it's not healthy, we stay there because it's familiar. And because breaking out of the familiar um, means we often, you know, it means we have to trust God. We have to take some risk. We have to have faith. We have to do something different. And um, we have to change some of the things that we're doing. And we, we often struggle with those things. And this whole series is about that. It's about doing life God's way because that's where we find life. And that this is the, the basis of the spiritual battle that we all are involved in. Um, that we have Jesus who's come to give us real, full, now and forever, abundant life, and we have a very real adversary who wants to steal that life away. That's all in John 10.10. 10. So, so that's what we've been talking about. And the motivation for change, my, my hope is that what motivates you to change is the realization that our adversary has been tricking you out of real life by causing you to be distracted, too busy, um, uh, fearful or worried, consumed by things that don't matter and don't last, um, whatever he can do to sort of get your eye off the prize. And, and he's hard at work, and he's successful in, in lots of ways. But um, he, he doesn't have, that's all he's got to work with is tricks, traps, deceptions, lies, schemes. And once you're aware of them, you don't have to keep falling for them. And, and as you realize that that's not the way you want to live, and you say, God, I just want to live your way, you can begin to experience life at, a, at, at, the, at the way he created us to experience. And that's what this whole series is all about. And so um, we're going we're gonna to dig in some more today. I want to talk about worship today. We've been talking about praying well, and this fits into that, about connecting with God. And I've been giving you some ideas to build into your life. But I want to dig deeper into the, to the idea of worship and what worship is all about. And so we're going to do that in just a second. Before we do, though, I know you like a little something different. So I have a little joke. Uh, for you today, and, uh, and, and it's actually a knock-knock joke, so, so, you know, bear with me. So here we go. Knock-knock. Interrupting sheep. Bye. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's a classic. It's my new favorite. Made you jump. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm silly. But uh, when I first heard that, oh, I've got to do that at church. And I was like, that's too silly to church. I said, no, it's perfect. The scripture reading goes here because it needs to. Psalm 95, 1 through 7. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. 
Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. It's one of my favorite psalms. Uh, that psalm I actually is included in my morning devotional time every morning. And uh, I think it just speaks powerfully about the call to worship. And worship is all about knowing God and remembering how great God is. To me, that's the heart of worship. That's what worship is all about. It's about knowing God more and remembering how great God is. John 17, 3. Uh, this is the message paraphrase. says, and this is real and eternal life, that they know you, the one and only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you sent. This is real and eternal life. This is the heart of, of life. This is what it's all about, knowing God and, and who he is and what he's done and what that means and how that impacts life and why we can trust him and how faithful he is and how much he loves us and, and all these things. It's knowing those things uh, and who he is and 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 what Jesus has done to make it happen. Philippians 3, 8, 9. This is also out of the message paraphrase. Yes, all the things, Paul says, I once thought were so important are gone from my life. Compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master firsthand, everything I, everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. Dog dung. I've dumped it all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ and be embraced by him. I didn't want some petty, inferior brand of righteousness that comes from keeping a list of rules when I could get the robust kind that comes from trusting Christ, God's righteousness. I love that verse. Paul's saying, look, I realize that, that in knowing God, in knowing, in knowing Christ, that's, that's all that really matters, and I've settled for a lot of stuff that doesn't really matter, but I'm going to get rid of all of that. And this knowing God thing, it's not about, uh, you know, a whole bunch of rules and regulations. It's about knowing him and trusting him and experiencing life in him. And that's what I'm all about. And that's what worship is all about. And so the first point in your notes is this, is that God is seeking worshipers. God is seeking worshipers. And when I, when I talk about worship, you know, I said it's about knowing God and remembering how great he is. Um, don't limit your, your understanding of worship to be, you know, just coming together and singing songs corporately. That's a part of worship. But worship is far more than that. Worship is uh, all this time we're talking about in prayer. It's, a, it's sitting at the feet of Jesus and, and just spending time with him. It's putting everything else away and just hanging out with God. All of that is what worship is. Certainly it involves, you know, it's singing, but it's also just listening. And it's, it's just being in his presence. It's, it's making him a priority. All of that is what worship is about. And God is seeking worshipers. In, our, in the scripture reading today, in that psalm that I shared with you, um, it, it, you know, it's, it's one of my favorites. Because the very first thing that, that it talks about there is it says, come. We're invited by God to come. He's inviting us into his presence. And as Paul said, it's not about keeping a list of rules and requirements. 
He's, he's seeking and inviting worshipers who will sit at his feet and adore him in spirit and in truth. And, and I want to develop that by looking at another encounter that Jesus has in the book of John. This is in the fourth chapter of the book of John. And it's with a Samaritan woman at a well. And since it was at a well, that fits with, do you want to get well? And so there we go. It's another well encounter. It's all good. John 4, 7 through 10. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. If you only knew the gift of God, living water, eternal life, grace, and that all that you need to do is ask and he will give it. And Jesus is telling this woman that, that God's dealings with humanity are on the basis of grace. Our relationship with God is not about what we do, not about us keeping rules, but on what God is willing to do for us. And this is huge. This is huge. God is, God is so willing to do amazing things for us, and he proved it at the cross. Because he wants us to be in relationship with him. Our heart's response then is that we want to live for him as well. But, but see, it's a response thing because he's already moved towards us. And, and he, he just wants people restored into relationship with him. John 4, 16 through 19. He told her, this is Jesus moving on to the conversation. Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. I always like this encounter. Um, the Samaritan woman was an outcast in her own community because she's at the well alone. And, and going to the well was a social event. When, when the, the women in the town would go to the well, they would all go together for company, and it was, a, it was a time when they had fellowship. It was a social event. She's there by herself because of her lifestyle. She's an outcast in her own community. But if you read the whole story, you find out that Jesus had to go. Uh, he, Jesus wanted to have this encounter. This wasn't a chance. Things don't happen by chance in, in Jesus. He, he wanted to meet this woman, and... and he had this encounter with her. And so uh, here's the thing that's so cool. Jesus knows all about this woman and the life that she's living. He knows all about it. And, and see, um, a lot of labels could be put on her and her lifestyle. A lot of different labels could be tossed around about who she is. Um, but I love this. Jesus doesn't label her. So unlike how often we do things at church, he doesn't label her. He, he is saying with the comment that he knows all about the life that she's living, and yet he's still going to offer her the hope of real life. I love this about Jesus. In these encounters that Jesus has with people, he always just cuts through all the mess that we want to get stuck in, and he goes right to the heart of the matter, just like he did with the guy 
that's what the guy that the whole series is about there at the pool. Um, in John 3, he has an encounter with Nicodemus, who's um, the opposite of the woman at the well, because he thinks that he's justified because he's been keeping all the rules. And Jesus has to, you know, straighten him out in love too and say, no, you need just as much grace. You can't get there by the rules. But now, in this encounter, he's dealing with, with this woman whose who's, um, uh, life is a mess. And, and she's aware of her mess. In John 4, 21 through 24, Jesus declares this. Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Because she tried to try to change the subject after he had sort of popped out there about go get your husband, which is pretty normal when someone has kind of just laid your open. You're ready to be, you know, just completely wasted by whatever's coming next. And, and so she kind of tries to change the subject about where, you know, where are we supposed to worship. And he says, look, that's, this, is, this is the heart of the matter. Um, uh, you Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming, and has now come, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit in truth. So here he's talking to this woman at the well who's well aware of her lifestyle. She's a social outcast. She's there by herself. Jesus comes up. He's, he, he's already, you know, spoken into her about he, he knows this lifestyle as well. And, and yet, there she is, well aware of the fact that she's a sinner. And yet Jesus doesn't talk to her about condemnation. He talks to her about worshipers. You've got to think, well, that's fascinating. What, what, what's Jesus doing there? See, she already knew she was a broken mess. But what she needs to know is that even in her brokenness, that God sees the beauty of her potential. That, that, that she needs to know she's a person of worth and value in God's eyes. See, that's, that's what the world needs to know. Kinda, you you kind of end up against two types of people. Either people that think they're okay because they, they think they're so good and, and they need to know grace as bad as anybody. And then most people, big chunk of people are stuck here in this spot where they feel so, where they're just so broken. They know what a mess they are that they just don't think that they really matter or count or have any, any worth or value. And it, and it just causes them to continue to move in bad directions. And, and Jesus goes to her and in effect, what he's saying to her is, um, listen, um, we just, we, we, we see you as a worshiper. We just want you to worship God in spirit and truth. See, that's what God's looking for. That's the heart of God. That's why Jesus came. That's what it's all about. That's what he's doing. He didn't come to point the finger at everybody and tell them how bad they were. He came to tell them, I want to be in relationship with you. I've made a way. And I want you to hang out with me and experience life now and forever. See, this is the heart of, of the message. It's, it's what makes a difference. God knows who you are, and, and he cares about you. He, he sees you as a person of worth and value. Um, he cares enough to send his son that we can have eternal life, um, that become his children and become true worshipers. And, and so the whole encounter at, at, the, at the well with this woman is a picture of God seeking people who will worship him in spirit and truth. So what does that mean? What does it mean to worship in spirit and truth? Two, worship in spirit, point two. John 4, 23, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. The word there for spirit 
in the original language, um, it doesn't have the, de the definite article in it, the definitive article. So it's not referring to the Holy Spirit in this case. It's referring to our, uh, our inner being, our emotions, our hearts. And it's about connecting with God from the center of who we are. Now certainly in Christ, the Holy Spirit helps us in all these things. But, but what he's talking about there is, is us coming to him and, and, and just offering him or connecting with him from the center of our being, from our very hearts, that, that it's the most important thing that, that there is in this life is this connection with God. It's a, it's, it's a real personal connection that needs to happen. And, and as we realize who he is and what he's done and how faithful he is and that we can trust him and that he's made it possible for us to have now and forever life, it should fill us with a constant sort of awe and wonder and thanksgiving which should just lead us into a desire and a, and a, and a time to worship with all that we are. It, this, the, the realization of what he's done and who he is and how he views us um, should, should just trump everything else. That's what Paul said earlier. Look, it's all in, in just kind of realizing how much God has done and how much he loves me. All this other stuff that I'm chasing after that's consuming my life that, that isn't really doing anything for me. It, it's nothing in comparison with the relationship I can have with, with, with God in Christ and, and the life that I can have with him. And certainly that should be worth the priority in my life. Certainly it should be worth the first few moments of every day. So that's... It's, he wants people that will worship in spirit, not just kind of, oh yeah, when I get around to it, just by, oh God, you amaze me. You love me. You know who I am. You know what a constant, broken mess I can be, and yet you love me. You just want me to hang out with you. Creator of the universe, the one who made everything, just wants me to hang out with him, just for a little while, just to sit and be in his presence. See, he wants people that will worship him in spirit with all that they are. And he wants, point three, people that will worship in truth. John 4, 24, God is spirit. And his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. See, it's, it's knowing who God is by what he has revealed about himself in his word. It's, it's not enough just to kind of have our own idea about who God is. There's people all around us that have that. Our culture has developed some, some amazing ideas about who God is. And, and do you know that, that culturally people always try and sort of model God in their own image? Do you ever think about that? How, we do it. But, but it's the other way around. See, we're made in God's image, but then we try and make God in our own. Well, God, would, I think this is, a, God would be like this. He would be a lot more like me. Do you ever, you ever think about that? You ever listen to some of the things that are in our culture about how people, well, this is, this is what God is like. And you know, where are you getting that from? And, you, and it's because that's what they think he's like, because that's what they, you know, well, he's, you know. And, and yet they, they don't have a, they've got nothing to base it on. The, Jesus, when he's dialoguing with a Samaritan woman, um, and, and he says, you, you worship what you don't know. The Samaritans had, um, they didn't have the, the Bible. They had taken the first five books from Moses and they'd rewritten them and messed them up. 
when he's saying, you know, the, the Jews at least know what's happening. They, they had the word of God and they were sticking to it. Um, they were going to miss Jesus. But, but th this is the thing that he's saying. But the Samaritans had this twisted idea about who God was because they'd rewritten the books that they had and made them something else. Sound familiar? Uh, and, and, then, and then they were trying to, they were stuck there um, because they couldn't really worship God because they didn't know him. They couldn't worship him in truth. Even if they came with the fullness of heart and sincerity, but didn't balance it with the truth, they were going to miss the mark. So you've got to have both things happening. You've got to have spirit and truth. You've got to come with all that you got. You've got to come with all that you are. But you have to come in a knowledge of who God is. And, and so we, we have to worship Him in truth. That's why I'm, I, I'm always talking about how important it is to be spending time in the Word, actively seeking His Word so that you know who He is and what He's done. So it's all, all this ties together. So it's, 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 we, we can't, you, you, sometimes we make assumptions about God that we can't back up because we really don't know. That's why you got to spend time in his word. And, but the more you know about him, the, the more, see the thing to me is the way it ties together is the more I read and understand and know him, it, it makes me want to hang out with him even more because I'm always amazed at what he's done and what he's doing, what he's promised to do. It just overwhelms me. And so I don't ever want it to become sort of, you know, oh, well, if I get around to it. You know, I'm real busy today, God. I don't have any time for you. I don't think we would ever purposely say that, but I think we do it all the time. I'm so busy, God. So I'll see you when I get to you. And again, you know, God's so cool. He wouldn't even, he'd just love you through that. But, but we miss it. Then we miss life. He loves us. He, I think he, you know, he honestly misses that time with you. But, you know, he, he won't force you into it. But I, I think, I mean, how, if, of all the things in life, and, and Paul, that's what Paul was saying when we started, of everything, what compares to that? Is there, any, is there really anything that even gets close to hanging out with a God who created everything, who loves you and just wants to spend time with you? Is there any, I mean, what, what are we given, what are we, what becomes more important to us than that? And how can it be? If our hearts, if we really think about it, what's more valuable than that? What's better than that? What's, what's more life-giving than that? What's more worth that than anything? And so, you know, it's just knowing that he's seeking us to hang out with him, that he's gone to great lengths, that he loves us, that he sees us as... I mean, you've got to see yourself as someone that God wants to hang out. He really wants to hang out with you. You. He went to the cross for you. And now he wants to hang out with you. He knows you're a mess. He knows it. That's why he went to the cross. It's not a surprise. But he still sees you as a person that, of worth, value. He created you. He wants to spend time with you. I want to encourage you to be people that worship God in spirit and truth. I'm going to close with this verse, one of my favorites. You've heard it a lot. Matthew 22, 37 and 38. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Love God like that. All in. Let's, let's be all in. Love him like that, with all that you got. He'll meet you there changes everything changes everything so be encouraged love him like that this week
Amen. Amen. If you're watching by video, thank you so much. We appreciate your time hanging out with us. Come and visit us if you can here on Big Pine at the Vineyard. We'd love to have you. If you need prayer, go to our website. Find the prayer page and put your prayer there. We'll pray for you. You can call us and we'll pray for you that way. Thanks for spending time with us.